Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse Code and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals. Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merch Merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse Code and Crown, a live play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Kronox, observer of time. Curse Code and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers. Laura Elizabeth as the Orc Countant Eta and Princess Gwendolyn. Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse Code and Crown! 
Ita, uh, you have demons. <laughs> you have <laughs> demons surrounding you, uh, lurching out of the darkness um, to uh, refresh uh, your and everyone uh, listening and watching's memory. Uh, having been uh, betrayed uh, by Dagwood Smithsonian and booted off of a, a floating platform, uh, you've fallen into a disused, seemingly disused part of the mine, uh, and a demon breach has begun, or so mm -hmm. it would seem. Uh, a number of creatures are entering. Um, luckily, they're doing that slow zombie thing. So as <laughs> uh, you ease yourself up, ignoring the broken ribs and, and pain that causes, uh, you can see four uh, demons lurch uh, forward from the darkness um, around you uh, there are multiple um, uh, there's broken sort of uh, mining gear everywhere there are exits uh, but the demons seem to be coming through those exits okay. um, what do you do um, <clears throat> I I kind of tread back away with my hands up um, and and I and I just say like, oh good, I can help you destroy your enslavers. <laughs> and then I just start doing, all right, let's try the Fibonacci sequence again. <laughs> I'm gonna try to charm them into believing me. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Go ahead. Uh, actually, they have to roll a wisdom saving throw, DC fourteen. Unfortunately, they are not swayed by your obvious, obvious lie. Uh, or actually, I mean, I guess it's not really a lie. It's not, but it's not really a lie. I'm pretty you are, angry. You are making some assumptions about uh, how they fit into all this. Um, they, uh, they instead, um, they're the sort of uh, large toothy grins. Uh, like I'm imagining these as like, um, this is probably just for Ryan, but like. Uh, the, 40K blood letters. Yeah, classic 40k yeah. blood letters. Yeah, the, thank you. You knew exactly what I was putting down. Um, so uh, they, uh, they, you know, so, sort of um, jagged claws, and uh, they aren't um, carrying any weapons, um, or at least it's the first few aren't. Like man-sized Tim Curry and Legend. Yes. Yeah, uh, and uh, they proceed to rush you. Uh, go ahead and roll initiative. Aww. That's the sound of confidence. Uh, 18. 18. Well, the good news is you're up first. Um, Ita, the demons are rushing you. What do you do? Um, well, I, fuck, man. I mean, I just, I just have to like say, um, yell non-existence, um, and try to confound them with the concept of non-existence. <laughs> okay. And uh, uh, they got to make an intelligence saving throw, DC 14. Um, that is a 16, I'm afraid. Okay, so they take seven damage, seven, seven psychic damage. damage. All right, all right, yeah, that's not bad. Uh, one moment, please. Uh, so that's and they seven. just say, please, I'm not lying. I will not hurt you. If you do not attack me, I will help. Uh, you hear uh, a chorus of madness in your mind uh, that uh, is no language you know or understand and is most mathematically incorrect uh, in its guttural phrasing. Um, and uh, they move in to attack. Um, 
So with uh, claws raised high, uh, the demons lurch at you. Meanwhile, um, uh, you've uh, left the embassy, uh, Maka and Duncan, um, with a, a new quest. Uh, find Duncan a mask. This uh, box of other notes that were locked away. Do I like? Is there anything getting in the way of me just grabbing that and going? Or, or no, absolutely not. You can just okay. have that. Yep. Okay. Um, you can have that for after this arc. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, thought it was important. Uh, yeah. We'll put it in his netting on his shell, so it's yeah, there. Yeah. We don't have to worry about it, but it's well uh, stowed. I, I got you. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a dangerous season two MacGuffin. Um, hmm. Cool. So, um, what uh, what are your direct plans? Um, obviously, uh, you're hoping that uh, Jaden will go convince um, Karen uh, to go see Jeanette uh, about the armor. Uh, in the meantime, what uh, what do the two of you want to do? Well, I mean, Duncan would be pushing to go find Ita immediately if she's in danger because she's like an innocent, and we have a lead because we know the name of the guy she was after, whatever it is. You know the rank. You don't have his actual name. Or no, I guess Maka did hear was told it was it was uh, Dagwood. So you you both recognize that that is the man that Ita repeatedly said she had to go see. Um, so likely down in records. Uh, that said, uh, neither of you have any reason to go down there. How do you try and convince um, a? Who do you go and try and find? Or just like asking random people? Like, unfortunately, uh, with uh, President Nagata uh, having grade, um, your kind of greatest ally is no longer available to you. But um, what is your your plan for finding her? All right, Marka, we need to find someone. We don't know where they are, and we don't really have a tremendous amount of friends, though we have a lot of goodwill. Do you have some way you can track Eta or find Eta amongst your various turtle abilities? Does stand out, given the populace of Sprongbreck. Perhaps if we ask people who have seen an orc, they will be able to direct us to her. Uh, and I'm also just going to review my spells here. I don't have anything prepared that could help us is the problem. Yeah, all right. I'm sorry all right. to say. Uh, Maka, would you like to spend some stress? Sure. To have prepared that. I, I will. Know. This will blow your, your entire stress. Uh, for those of you listening who perhaps aren't familiar with this mechanic, because we haven't really used it in the show very much, I don't think. Um, stress is a mechanic stolen from Blades in the Dark um, that basically lets you have things you would want to have that would make the story more interesting um, at hand. Uh, everyone gets five points of stress that they can spend for such things. Um, Maka, in this case, I will say this will wipe you out because uh, having a different spell prepared is kind of a like a not insignificant deal. Yeah. Um, but um, if you can justify why Maka would... Or what, like, it, it can be past okay. experience, it can be desperation right now, whatever you think it would be. I think I know what it is then. Um, so I'm going to have prepared the level two spell locate object. Um, I'm just going to enter that in really quick. Uh, the justification being um, Maka probably thought, I'm now typing the name Maka, oh boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that... Um, uh, a empty, you know, albeit 
conscious, but uh, an empty suit of armor might constitute an object. <laughs> so if they were having trouble tracking down Karen, he would cast locate object. I think that's like the narrative reasoning behind why he did in fact have it prepared today. Cool. Great. Love it. Um, but um, so the way the spell works is you can describe or name an object that is familiar to you. And familiar in this is basically um, as long as you've seen it up close within 30 feet at least once. Mm. So um, being in close proximity to Ita as traveling companions, like coming through Sprongbrek and also even like fighting side by side against a salamander. Um, I don't remember. What was the weapon that Ita used? Uh, she's got a short sword. I think she used her great club though. She did use a great yeah. club, yes. Yeah, that's what she uh, So I think that is what Maka will uh, will focus on, um, and he will he will name it out loud um, as he sort of meditates and and says, "Eater's uh, um, great club." Um, and now I hope this is enough. You sense the direction of the object's location as long as that object is within one thousand feet of you. Uh, if the spell. Uh, one other thing uh, that Tom should know is that the spell can't locate an object if, uh, uh, if any thickness of lead, even a thin sheet, blocks a direct path between you and the object. Hmm. There's no lead down here. You're How fine. long does it last for, Tyler? Uh, ten minutes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say there's definitely bits of lead um, in some of the older areas of the mine, but given that it's a ten-minute spell and with a thousand feet of range... I think walking around a little bit, it's almost like um, trying to like uh, divine where water might be. Okay. It's not immediately apparent to you, um, but you you know that it's just kind of just beyond what you can you can reach. Um, so you wander around uh, a little bit to kind of find the direct path. What does Maka trying to sense this look like? Is he like sniffing the air? What, what do you think that is? Um, I don't think it's so much like tracker behavior, um, like like using like six or five conventional senses um, to, to, to locate this object. I think it's definitely feeling like a pull from the cluster. Um, now that uh, the powers of like the Fae and fairies are starting to manifest, um, uh, like as he gets stronger, his connection to like fairies and stuff like that also become a little stronger as well. Um, I think there's probably a little bit of pull from like fey energies as well. I don't know how present they would be in a cold, dark underground place, which might contribute to why it's a little tough to track. Uh, okay, cool. I love that. So Maka, using this uh, methodology and kind of like finding your way around and feeling it, you do eventually get a, a proper lead um, to uh, the great club. Um, and it feels very far away. Um, but you do have a, a, a lock on it. Um, from what the two of you have learned, uh, both from your conversations with Ida and also just kind of with uh, Maka, you talking to uh, President Nagata, um, you understand that there is a massive mine system under uh, the stronghold of Sprongbrek, and it would seem that that is definitely where she is. Um, it gives you, uh, with 10 minutes, the odds of you being able to get there are low, but you have a general like trajectory for it, um, which is down. She is deep, deep below us, Duncan. She is in the mines, I suspect. Mm. Yes. Well, 
Well then, let's find a way down and get into those fucking mines. Hmm. She is in grave danger. We must hurry. Uh, Tom, the way an underground civilization is structured, is there a way to, like, not necessarily take the stairs, but, like, like skip kind of down <laughs> into um, the mines? Well, who was it? Wasn't it Kevin Fast Travel or someone like that? Yeah, Kevin Fast Travel is, uh, is your man. Um, he is the Sorry. best... <laughs> No, you were correct. Uh, he's the best of the people who uh, run carts, but you definitely have seen those carts zipping around. I think um, Tyler's also asking if there are like gaps in the floor where you can like, there's no fire pole, but ways to fall down. Or what were you asking, Tyler? Well, even like we're on like a walkway, right? Uh, whatever kind of area of this city that we're we're in. Can we can we just like take a turn, jump off the walkway and land like 30 feet down, like another level kind of thing. Like 30 feet is a big drop, but like, is there other ways to like get down? Is there like a fire pole? Uh, From Sprongbrek proper, no. Um, It's been built uh, if we, this is a fucking stupid metaphor, but it's all I got. Um, Sprongbrek as a fortress is basically the plug on top of this entire underground cavern system. Okay. So if you think about uh, the way the mines are structured and what they're mining, it's specifically built this way in the way a lot of um, nuclear facilities are. To mean, if you need to lock the entire mine off from the rest of the world, Sprongbrek can technically do that. Um, okay. So what that means is that there is a, a floor, essentially. Um, that said, there are fast travel ways down in addition to Kevin Fast Travel's Fast Travel Services. Hmm. Um, you aren't privy to any of those yet, but you could definitely find them. Um, but no, it's not uh, It's not like a Coruscant, or I mean, if we want to go a little deeper, Narshada, um, of like walkways that you can leap down. It's once you get under this, then it gets to that. But where you are currently, it's almost like a castle has been plugged okay, into so it's the not so much, we're not dealing with a vertical society right now. Uh, you are to some extent, but not all the way down to the caverns. Got so it, okay. there's like, a, there is a base level floor that plugs off the gap. And then above that, you've got the verticality with like the, okay. the, the, the walkways and everything. But there's still like a, like a, a base The mine layer. is under the floor. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then, I mean, it's like, I know from, from Maka's point of view, it's like, this is like completely new and like foreign city mm-hmm. to him, even though he's been here for like a day or whatever. Right. So I don't think he knows how to get to the mine per se. I think it would just be like a matter of like asking, like, just I think, like, yeah, if there's not clear signage yeah. that we can run towards, then we're just going to ask somebody. Cool. Um, so can you roll, uh, an investigation check, please? Uh, I assume this is Duncan asking or... Okay. I mean, I Maka, we, you would also likely just be asking people. You're not particularly good at it, but I think you'd just be like, mm, yes. No, I yeah. think we'd probably both be asking people because I think the one thing we don't want to do is trust one drunk asshole to know the answer. You are oh. correct. That's a three. So Mock is the, that one drunk asshole. And you know, sometimes the dice really come up well for yeah. narrative in this game. And that's a nat one. He's really counting on Maka to carry this. <laughs> um, so you're asking people, but... Um, as outsiders, um, they're kind of like, ah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Come on. We're having a phone party. Um, they uh, they have no interest. I mean, honestly, it would be like going to a casino and being like, hi, I'd like to see the plumbing set up, please. Are there water filtration units? And like, no, fuck off. Come. Whoever of Siegfried and Roy is still alive. They're doing it. They're, they're doing another tiger show. Um, so yes, uh, unfortunately you, uh, you are met with, um, huge resistance. Um, 
and Ryan, because you rolled a one, uh, you are in fact uh, carried on a tide of, of excited dwarves into the foam party, um, where uh, just the it's dark. There's loud music, hurdy gurdies, just fucking blaring, and uh, just foam for days. <laughs> No one is helpful. Everyone is the worst. But unfortunately, you haven't found a way to extricate yourself from this. Um, so, Maka, you are left okay. alone briefly. Uh, you know where he is. Like, he's within sight. Um, what do you think Maka would do next? Maka's going to do two things. Maka's going to cast Conjure Animals and just burn through his fucking spell slots. <laughs> My man. Don't worry. There's no demons downstairs. We have a Yeah, no problem. Uh, so that's challenge rating of zero. So uh, how many do I spawn with challenge rating zero? I'm assuming a lot. Um, row. <laughs> I say eight, about myself and the eight story. Eight beasts of challenge rating one quarter or lower. Uh, um, okay, so this is this is lower. Um, um, <laughs> I summon the sandworms of Dune. I summon. <laughs> I summon eight bats, cave bats. Oh, cool! Oh, fun. Yeah. Um, and immediately instruct them to look for um, the the like the way to the mines. Uh, and I leave. I, I like just disperse the bats, and I say like find find the mines. Uh, and I go to the foam party to try and bring back Duncan. <laughs> Uh, all right. He's like, take your hands off me, you little bastards. <laughs> no one can hear him, but he's swearing vociferously. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I do love the idea of like, uh, obviously this wouldn't, oh, we can just say it's swingy lanterns, but like one of those classic club scenes in a movie where it's just like the strobes going so you can't see everything, uh, like that club shootout and collateral. And it's just Duncan swearing and pushing people. And then just in the background, like coming from away, is just like this turtle just stomping through, but we just keep seeing him get closer and closer, like a horror movie grabbing Duncan. All the dwarves <laughs> like being like, "Yeah!" just dragging him out. Um, amazing. Uh, meanwhile, deep down below Fortress Strongbreck, Gwen, um, <laughs> you are um, trying to find your way back up to the surface, and as we mentioned, I guess two episodes ago now. Uh, you legitimately find yourself in the armory, which needless to say is not actually where uh, Ita was brought. Um, so for a moment, um, you are, uh, you've been bouncing off uh, demon knights and yeah. um, you, uh, you've been making like decent progress, kind of pinging your way through. Unfortunately, um, a squad of four go rushing by and they're running at like at, at a clip um, so your trajectory misses and uh, unfortunately you can't anchor to them. So they like book it past uh, and suddenly uh, you, you find yourself drifting um, and uh, you drift into um, a, uh, what seems to be a workshop of some sort in the armory. Um, and there are a number of statues here uh, of, of petrified dwarves uh, in, in their, their demon knight armor. Um, but you also notice that um in this room, unlike kind of the the more um, almost uh, uh, decorative 
uh, nature of them everywhere else. Um, you can see there are diagrams on the walls and work tables, and you get the sense that this is where um, grade demon knights are brought for study and for mm. kind of iteration and improvement uh, on the armor. So it seemed to be in kind of like an experimental lab. Um, and although there isn't any full armor that you can jump to that isn't uh, possessed, similar to the glove, um, you are able uh, to take a, a brief uh, rest in a uh, a shin guard um, that is uh, on the table, uh, sort of half complete. Um, so again, using our continuing to kind of use our, our space metaphor of like when you're just drifting in space, you can't really maneuver where you're going. You are able to tether to the shin guard and drag yourself in. And to some extent, it's it's kind of like just having a place to rest because you haven't been able to inhabit any of the armor you've been bouncing off of. Um, it's been a it's been a hell of a ride because you rolled poorly two sessions ago. Um, so like, this is nice. So Gwen, you have a, a moment to uh, to take stock. Um, <clears throat> with every demon knight you've hit, they've all reacted to your presence, which is also new yeah. for you, kind of drifting through armor. Um, but uh, you've also observed uh, when you were falling through the many layers of this, pinging off uh, the petrified suits. Um, I guess uh, what I'm asking is, I know you as a player from the context of other players' stories have put together what's going on. How much do you think um, Gwen, uh, Gwendolyn has put together? Honestly, she's pretty absorbed in what's going on with herself. Cool. I guess, I mean, this all relates to what's going on with her because she's trying to kind of um, figure out where she can live now and, and what she can do. Yeah. All right. So then... Um, this as... is more just like, God, find... Oh, God. Uh, uh, help. Someone help me. Duncan, where's Duncan? Like... <laughs> Cool. Like um, that, I, can, I wish I wish she was thinking about the bigger picture. I understand. She's totally not. fair. Can you roll me a uh, wisdom save, please? Yeah. Panic groaning check. <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> Fourteen. Fourteen. Um, okay. Um, so uh, after a moment of of that, of just like that pure like and completely understandable like if if you were in a, a a human body or like an organic body what would probably be like heaving gasps of like is that that sort of horrible panic attack feel um you're you're momentarily left to the uh, incredible strange solitary even with the glove at least you could like kind of move things there's <laughs> nothing to move on the shin guard it is just a shin guard as um, a, as a as a, f a former soccer player am i able to smell myself uh, Laura, I also only have soccer as a shin guard metaphor here. Uh, no, because this is not, this has never been worn. Oh, thank uh, God. It is, no, you you got lucky. It is not that <laughs> rare stench that only somehow comes off of shins. Theoretically, yeah. the least smelly part of the body. I know. Um, <laughs> like, as soon as you said shin guard, literally that smell. It, like, in my head, though, it is I just a soccer. Like, <laughs> I know it's actually made of metal and like something a knight would wear, but like in my head, it's just a fucking soccer <laughs> shin guard. Um but no, it's uh, it's if this was like an Iron Man movie, it would be like the gauntlet where there's still like wires and shit hanging out the side. Like it's it's been it's not even fully hammered or crafted. It's mm. it's an in progress uh, shin guard. Um, so no, happily. Okay, no, a cool. weird thing I know, but if we're talking medieval knight's armor, that part of the armor is called a grieve. Aww. a grieve is the shin. And guard. you know who has many grievances? Gwen. 
Um, so uh, fucking appropriate. Yeah. Um, so you do have a second uh, as you kind of uh, catch your breath um, and prepare for the next phase of this fucking nightmare um, <laughs> to uh, to take stock of of um, what might be happening. And Gwen, I think the the worst thing, and you've we've talked about this before in previous episodes, but um, I think there's in addition to like needing to like get to Duncan and you also aren't sure if Karen is like speaking in your voice or is pretending to be you or like yeah. what the fuck is happening. Um, although actually, sorry, that's not true because you did as the coy, you're able to observe that she's, she's playing it as though she is your heir, not that she took over. Um, but the idea of Karen ruling is truly horrific and I think for all of Duncan's warnings about bad governance and also what you observe from your father and like court and all of that. Um, I've also been watching a lot of the crown. So a lot of this kind of like passing the legacy stuff is kind of fresh in my mind, but I think there's something to the idea that there was one thing when it's like, okay, my father kind of sucks. Eventually I will replace him. And by the time I do, I will probably also kind of suck, but I can be incrementally better. Fine, that's the way it's always been, whatever. You always kind of assumed you'd be better, though. And realizing that Karen could well become the Queen of Orvel. And uh, it's the Alliance of Equals, as I believe you're... you're yeah. Yeah. She could theoretically run that. Um, coming to the realization that it's not oh, just God. old governance that sucks. It's also people who aren't actually qualified or like emotionally or intelligently stable enough to run a nation is also a problem. And I think that's weirdly a new-ish, like you understood it intellectually, but this is the first time you fucking feel it. Oh yeah. Um, which adds a little bit of fuel to to your fire. Um, do you think Gwen would try and observe anything in this room or is this literally just like a, you're trying to make the summit, you stop for a second to take some oxygen and now um, Yeah, no, this is like, cause she would, yeah, I'd be like casting around for anything because I'm looking for my next move. I'm not, right. I'm not just going to sit still. So what, what is at hand? Um, okay. So there, there are a bunch of um, armor fragments kicking around. Uh, if this was doom, they would each give you like 5%. Um, so not enough really, but a little bit. Um, yeah. But unfortunately nothing you can use to, uh, to animate. Um, you're also mm. not really sure how that works uh, in your current yeah. state. Um, that said, um, there are demon knights moving around the hallway. So you had the the four that you'd meant to leap to that that ran by. Um, now there seem to be two um, kind of making their way. So basically in, in video game terms, these are the regular patrols that are kind of crossing at intervals um, that you can attempt to leap to. Um, can you please roll me a constitution save? Sure. 22. Excellent. Okay. Uh, that's good. You don't lose any skill points. Um, Yay! Attribute points. You know what I mean. Um, I was... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, you, you've been doing these leaps enough now that you actually feel confident in what it feels like uh, to leap from these pieces, to untether yourself and kind of launch yourself. So happily, uh, it's not going to be difficult to jump to one of these folks. You also think that even though you can't embody their armor while they're soul bonded to it, you might be able to to kind of essentially catch the drag off them and have them kind of carry you in their, essentially in their wake uh, forward. So um, 
you prepare to leap uh, to a, a pair of, of demon knights. Um, as you do so, uh, you, again, find yourself, uh, think almost less tethered and more uh, just dragged along in, in uh, your, your uh, drifting um, or drafting, whatever it is where you catch like the- Drafting. The, yeah, drafting. Yeah. Um, right, because drifting is sliding around. I don't drive. Fuck me. <laughs> Uh, but I do like the Fast and the Furious movies. Um, so yes, you're you're caught in their wake. It means you don't have a lot of control, but it does mean mm-hmm. you're moving forward, um, which is nice. Uh, and uh, the two of them are are discussing um, a lockdown. Uh, you can hear alarms blaring kind of throughout the things. Again, I don't think, as we've discussed, Gwen has any care for what this means. Mm-hmm. She's just aware that these alarms are going. Um, but one of them uh, just says, uh, "Yo, so um, we're we're just supposed to let this happen." And the other one says, uh, uh, yeah, I, I know. We, we just, uh, apparently we've got to give it like a few minutes uh, or something. That's uh, that's the order from up top. Uh, and, you know, Smithsonian's a real hard ass. Uh, that uh, isn't a thing that comes up very often when visitors are here. But, like, to all the staff, he's kind of a prick. So, uh, you know, we, we best best just let whatever is happening happen. But it's fine. It's the disused mining corridor. And, you know, um, apparently it's going to be better for all of us if this, this goes down. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, our job is not to intercede, just to uh, to observe. The other one says, "Oh, yeah, okay." Um, and together, uh, they begin to to bring you uh, further up. Um, Gwen, do you have any sense where Duncan is, or is it just if I go up, I will eventually find him because I need to get back to the fortress? Um, yeah, it's like I, my thought is like he's he's somewhere in this. Right. So if I keep moving around maybe we'll cross paths that that's kind of all it is. It's just like staying still is probably dumb. Cause I don't know if he would ever come anywhere near where I am right now. Understood. Okay, great. Um, so you are dragged in the wake of uh, these uh, demon knights as they seem to come up to um, a sloped uh, small cavern uh, that seems to kind of twist upward um, beyond. You can hear the sounds of battle. Um, but everyone is staying at like a safe distance and you can see a uh, dim light from this, this cavern uh, where Ita is facing down demons. Uh, but um, for your purposes, it's like they're staying far enough away to not be noticed, but close enough that they could step in if they had to, uh, if that makes any sense. Uh, that said, as soon as they stop, uh, you find yourself in a gentle drift, um, just kind of uh, sliding past them, uh, and you begin to slowly drift uh, forward uh, towards the the sounds of battle. Um, speaking of, it's the demons round, Ita. Um, oh, so uh, what is your AC oh. right now? It's not high. Uh, <laughs> Remember how happy you were when you didn't take a bunch of fall damage? It's thirteen. There's demons too. Yeah, thanks, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's one hit, two hits, three hits. Fuck. Three hits. Uh, I rolled uh, a 16, an 18, a 19, and a five. So like, could there's be three worse, demons but... that are like. So Rawr. I'm, I'm just, I'm just down. And there's one demon who's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, what? One of the demons is like, kind of like. Like everyone else is like, haha, we're we're in the other realm. Let's eat things. And the other one's just like, wait, what? Like they just woke up. <laughs> kind of like doing that yawning stretch thing that only happens when you're in a coffee ad. Yeah, he's only got <laughs> one eye, but it's still somehow crossed. 
Dum Dums and Dice would like to welcome you into a world of darkness and vampires with Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast featuring Ryan LaPlante as the gangster Ridley Beef, Tyler Hewitt as the conflicted detective Everett Fry, and Megan Miles as the poet Iris Dunn with storyteller Tom McGee. Join these newly turned vampires as they try to take control of Montreal, but all is not as it seems. And as their humanity slowly slips away, they are forced into increasingly dangerous situations as the streets of the city run red with blood and sticky with syrup. Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. New episodes available weekly. Ha, ha, ha. All right. Well, the good news is uh, they don't hit that hard. Um, So uh, you're only going to take... eight points of damage. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah, I was rolling on D6s and I got a lot of twos. <laughs> Yay! Um, so they, um, they, they're taking those initial swipes. Um, what you're noticing, uh, Ita, as they, they swing is um, they've got a bit of the, the Marty McFly at the end of Back to the Future going on where um, they aren't... You can tell it, like, you can almost see through their, their hands as they attack. Um, it unfortunately also kind of pooches your armor because they're, they, they're kind of drifting through. Yeah. Um, they are slowly getting more solid um, as, uh, as they, they strengthen their, their kind of anchor on this side of the portal they've come through. Um, but they do not seem entirely here yet. So the good news is less damage. Bad news is they only hit with a D6 on the first round. Next round, it goes up to an eight. And the round after that, it goes up to a 10. So like things are going to get bad as a warning, because um, you can see that they're they're starting to materialize a bit further. Um, can you roll me a perception check, please? Yeah, sort of way f- get fucking out of here. Ah, eight. Fuck. Uh, um. Ah, oh, man, demons. It's a bummer. Also, uh, nothing down here is up to code. Like, <laughs> it. You don't want to be thinking about that, but you kind of can't help it. Um, yeah. it'd be like if, if a, someone was murdering me, uh, wearing a t-shirt with a bad font, I'd be like that font though, as they're like stabbing me to death, the papyrus killer, it's a real threat. Um, okay. So, um, that brings us to, uh, your round, Ita. Um, unfortunately with that perception check, you only see and hear demons. Great. That's, that's great. Um, Ida's still kind of new to me. I'm just kind of seeing what's yep, understood. What's available to me. Uh, proficiency in religion isn't really going to do anything for me. In pray, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just start praying. I invent a god named Moonhammer. <laughs> and Tom just closes his laptop. <laughs> I was going to say, from what we know of Moonhammer, Moonhammer would not save you. This is <laughs> Moonhammer would be like, See you when yeah. you get here, and then you get like a thumbs up. <laughs> Moonham would yeah. be like, "These are my buds. These are the Devlingtons. What are you doing?" Yeah. Anyway, uh, check out Dum Dums and Dragons if you want to know what the fuck we're on about. Um. <laughs> so I think. Um, let's see. You remind me. What does exhaustion do? Gives you disadvantage, right? Uh, it yeah, it starts at disadvantage and then it kind of escalates. So the more levels of exhaustion you have, kind of the greater the consequence. Um, but if you're looking at like a spell that will cost exhaustion, it's not really going to do much. 
All right, let's yep. just. Um, oh, you mean against? Yeah, uh, against, against them. Yeah, no, I'm not thinking. What if I exhaust myself? Does um, it give me any advantages? That said, uh, Laura, <laughs> this is something we don't actually often touch on in in our particular brand of of D and D. But um, there are also defensive maneuvers you can take um, if you don't have an immediate solution, and uh, kind of all the 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 tools in your tool belt aren't exactly what you need right now. Uh, you can go on the defensive. Um, you can just kind of like, rather than actively trying to hurt them for whatever D4's worth of damage. Um, or yeah. What have you, um, you can instead just be like, I'm just going to try and stay alive until a solution presents itself, which is also totally fair. Right. It basically gives you advantage on like, give, like saving throws. You can... Um, yeah, but the thing is, I'm sitting at like 5 HP. So I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> know what that does. What what would that entail? As yeah, as you can see, I haven't uh, read up on the player's handbook <laughs> recently. Yeah, it's fine. It's been a few years. Um, <laughs> it's not like anyone lovingly handmade you a cover for yours or anything. No, um, but it's sitting downstairs. Ryan has it behind him. I mean, what a world! <laughs> what a world! Um, so um, I guess uh, what I would say is if you basically want to run around and try not to get hit, like you're Tyler playing Sekiro or me playing Dark Souls. Um, yeah, uh, I think I, I think kind of what I would like to do is is um, as a bonus action, uh, cast um, a draw analysis on um, whoever's closest to me or looks the most like they're going to, you know, get stronger. <laughs> mm-hmm sex um just so that uh i have just so i have get some bonuses against them sure okay. um i by the way i also will learn their plane of origin spell casting ability or the level of the higher spell it can cast that doesn't matter never mind fuck me uh, some. yeah plane I mean, of origin i mean it'll be interesting to know um that's interesting i i'm a scholar i would like to know uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, they will, uh, I don't have a, a plane at hand, uh, for them. So we'll just say it's an infernal plane that I can give you an actual name for later. Uh, it is not here. Uh, it's not this plane of existence. So it's not like the demons are, are, you know, inherently in these mines. Um, similar to what, uh, you as Gwendolyn and, and the others discovered in, uh, the Shadowlands, like there are a number of, of other realms and these demons seem to be coming from there. Um, that said, uh, in terms of spell casting, uh, these ones don't have any spells. That isn't to say that all demons yeah, don't have spells, fair. but th these ones are slashy, slashy, low class demons. Um, so yeah. Um, what else do you get from that? Anything? That's it. I, I get attack bonuses. I, I um, basically analyze their movement patterns and fighting style. Yeah, it's uh, the Final Fantasy spell where you just like scan them. Uh, and you're yeah, like, ah! Which, uh, as a side note, when I was playing Mario RPG as a child, uh, thought I was doing that much damage every time I scanned a boss. Ooh. And I was like, I am fucking this boss up. And I was like, I feel like I've done like 1300 damage a bunch. Then I realized that's just how much HP was remaining. And that I was wasting full rounds doing that. So, um, sorry, Mallow. You tried your best on that cake boss. So, Ita, as you continue to just make the most adroit analysis you possibly can uh, of these these threats, uh, you, you find yourself 
wishing perhaps for the first time uh, that your new companions were here because it would seem that they have uh, some uses that uh, complement yours in a, in a way you were perhaps not expecting. Hmm. So I, I think for now, uh, analyzing their shit so much, I'm like, now would be a good time to do some, you know, dodge, duck, dip, dive and dodging. My man. Uh, you'll always remember your um, one of your early um, dorktorial um, uh, advisors, uh, the famed um, uh, orc hero Patches of Houlihan, um, <laughs> giving you that advice. Now, granted, he meant in like rhetoric, but yes. it also applies in fisticuffs. Um, uh, we've literally never had a fully academic character in one of these shows, aside from Alan episode one of uh, Dum Dums. <laughs> this is very fun. I like this a lot. Um, so yes. So uh, I assume you're, you're dropping into uh defensive stance. A hundred percent. Fuck. <laughs> excellent. Uh, so remembering uh, your, uh, your uh, voice echoes uh, out uh, into the cavern, bouncing off the walls uh, and very luckily hitting the ears of a friendly spore bat who happens to be high, high above you. Um, meanwhile, uh, Duncan, you've defoamed, uh, which is good for all involved. Um, and uh, Maka, what is your connection to your, your summoned creatures? Do you see through their eyes? Do you hear through their ears? Um, or do they have to report back to you? That is a great question. I have a feeling they, there is no no connection other than like as i understand it you can kind of like can command them. command them but they they do their own thing there isn't really any communication back right. okay um but i can do i can cast speak with animals as a ritual so i can like have that ready to go to like just hear what they have to say kind of thing understood um okay so uh the good news is um uh two bats uh come flying back uh as you um struggle your way out of uh the foam party um, the one that Ita uh, has just made contact with uh, is still down there. Um, but uh, the two bats have found two different ways down. Um, so I assume you, you cast speak with animals or are you just yeah. going to like, okay. Um, so um, uh, uh, the bats are like, ah, Maka, ah, ah, ah. Oh, God. We have found the way down into the darkness of the mines. Um, the two bats have two different ways down. Um, one of them has found what seems to be uh, what we in, uh, excuse me, modern parlance, but kind of like 1930s parlance would consider <laughs> um, uh, basically like a pneumatic tube room um, where there seems to be a lot of traffic coming in and out. The bat doesn't understand what's going on, but Maka, you would understand it as likely some kind of teleportation nexus. Um the other bat uh, has found uh, Kevin Fast Travel's uh, fast travel business um, and has access to um, the same sort of, obviously you guys wouldn't know this, but the same sort of um, disc-based travel um, that can kind of take you down and in. Um, so one is, um, I think kind of the, the, the safest way to frame this is the discs are slower but easier because they're um, easier to talk people into letting you use um, because they're basically just like the standard elevators anyone would use. The teleport chamber sounds very promising, um, 
but would absolutely not be open to the public. Um, you obviously relate this to Duncan. What do the two of you decide to do? I do not know how much time Ita has, or if we are already too late. If we can get to a teleport room, can you tell us where to teleport to? I have never teleported before. I do not know. But do you know I'll where Ita is? Like, if we were in a room and you were like that way, this many, you know, feet or whatever. I just know that she is in the mines. All right. Well, if we know she's in the mines. <laughs> Here's the question, Mark. Are you fine with me putting a gun to someone's head and saying you need to put us through the teleporter? Or do you not want to go to jail in the dwarf realm? I am fine with it. If you were to shoot someone in the head, they would not <laughs> succumb to the gray. And thus, the cycle of life and death would be allowed to continue. All right, then. There we go. All right, teleport room it is. All right, so our two broed out heroes do you oh. take a minute to to resuit up like chris no, Pratt inexplicably it, did as star lord while trying to escape a prison nope it's back in our room the clothes aren't here my man uh all right great so uh you uh follow bartok the bat um to uh the uh the teleport room um can you, so as you approach, it, it seems to be in what, again, is one of these sort of what you've come to recognize as government buildings. Um, Tom, are the breach alarms going off where we are? Uh, yes. Great. But, <laughs> Duncan, the moment they start to go off, Duncan will hit Mach on the shoulder and go, that's where we go, whatever the fuck the breach is. <laughs> Unfortunately, the breach alarms um, are a little bit like uh, air raid sirens. So it's just the whole facility. I will also say, um, no, I, I think that that tracks that Duncan would recognize that even though breach alarms are a common occurrence here. It, He's yeah. just looking for any clue other than the mine because it's definitely big. So like, where's shit weird? Yeah, buddy, I got you. Um, so uh, this does look like a, a government-style uh, building. Um, there are two uh, guards uh, out in front um, uh, in demon knight armor with um, sort of large halberds. Um, and uh, one of them is is sipping a cooler because, like, mm. you know, it's still sprung brack, but also don't want to, you know, get 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 too shorty. Um And uh, they're saying, like, <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I just, I'm really, I'm more invested in the office play than I thought I was going to be. And I just really want those crazy kids to work it out. The other one's like, I like Dwart. He really speaks to me. <laughs> um, and uh, they begin to, to argue about the logistics of putting a, uh, I'm trying to think what the, the equivalent of a medieval stapler would be. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, a, Pair of pliers in a jello mold. Um, when uh, when the two of you approach, what is your strategy for getting past these guys? I uh, I, I have something. Do you have something? I, I feel like at this point it would just be like they'd make contact, and if Maka went, I have something. <laughs> Duncan would just be like, "All right, you're in charge. Let's do this." Okay. So yeah, Maka will. Um, what's the range? Oh, nice. Okay. Um, that's a great question. I love yeah. it. 
I, 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 uh, I, I put a hand on your shoulder to stop you from approaching, and I would like to actually just have us break line of sight from these uh, these guards. Just yeah, you're, you're far enough. Like you're coming down the street. Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's step that down distance. an alley or something like that. And I say, uh, one moment. Um, and I, I close my eyes and, uh, the, the glowing, uh, like glow caps on my shell all dim and go completely dark and black. And that blackness, um, kind of emanates throughout my body and into you as well, Duncan. And I cast, uh, pass without trace. Whoa! (laughs) What? Yeah. Uh, a veil of shadows and silence radiates from you, masking you and your companions from detection. For the duration, each creature you choose within 30 feet of you, including you, has a plus 10 to dex stealth checks and can't be tracked except by magical means. So I'm, I'm hoping this is your time to fucking rock it as like a third, rolling a 30 on stealth or something. Um, uh, I will say this also affects Bartok. He's also invisible now. Okay. Doesn't really okay. matter, but he is. Um. A creature that receives this bonus leaves behind no tracks other than or other traces of its passage. So we are extremely stealthy now. Hot uh, diggity damn. And, cool. Uh, Do I have to stay within 30 feet of you, I think? Yes, for it to, to, main, to stay. So we have, basically have to move together to, you know, within reason. <laughs> You're just the end of Mass Effect 2 where you have to stay in that bubble or you get punked. Yeah. All right. Well, I thought we were going to have to try to talk our way through, but I think you've got something here. This seems faster. Yeah, let's just go knock on the hell out. Um, Tom, is there a way we could stealth up to try to get like around to the sides of the guards if we're in like a street? I mean, normally no. With this, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I will take a stealth check um, from you to do so. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, like, again, the thing to remember is that generally speaking, outsiders don't reach this part of Sprongbrek. Um, They're normally greeted up there. So they're not, you know they're they're um, they're guards in a secure facility. Yes, their job is important, but like no one has raided the facility ever. Tyler, you said it's plus ten. Yeah, plus they're both like twenty one. So, so add ten thinking to whatever about boobs. Your, your bonus Great. already is. I got a thirty two. Excellent. I got unbelievably for Maka a twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Look, uh, I'm going to save you some time here. Uh, tell me um, how you knock these two people out. I mean, Mock has done this once before today. <laughs> so he's got feel, his club ready. Yeah, and I think uh, Duncan, he doesn't want to risk damaging Mr. Bang, which is theoretically loaded. Uh, so it's just the skull rapier is out and low. And then I think for him, it's like getting up behind the guy, but realizing if he hits him in the helmet, it might not work. So it's like a low to the low lunge to the right, and then just a straight uppercut to the chin from the front with the the skull haft of his bone rapier. Gotcha. I think Maka cross checks him. He just has the oh, close sideways and just yeah. <laughs> like into the into the wall that he's standing up against. Um. So probably set to like a cool montage song. You both walk up, and it, it's honestly it's just Hobbs and Shaw. It's like. <laughs> Uh, you know, Duncan, you do this like flourish where like you change moves midway through, you uppercut him. He does the full like Brad Pitt getting KO'd and snatch thing where his whole body like flips up through the air. Uh, it's super elegant. And like you catch him and put him down quietly and you look over to Mako, just like body checks him into a wall and he falls over. Um, but neither of you is allowed to lose a fight. So it's 
going tremendously well for both of you. Contractually, yeah, not yeah. allowed to lose a fight. Yeah. Great. I want to pick up his weapon and just throw it behind the house at the side of the street. So, like if they wake up, they're unarmed because I don't need... Sure. Uh, Bartok grabs it and like struggles because he's a fucking bat, <laughs> but like carries it off into some bushes and then turns around and gives you like a thumbs up off the hooked thumb on the, the edge of uh, yes. the, uh, the wing. Great. And then I think Maka and I are just through the door and in. Let's see what the fuck's yeah. going Amazing. on. Amazing. Um, so... Uh, True to my earlier metaphor, uh, it feels a little bit like um, a pneumatic tube system. Like there, there's like uh, there seem to be a couple of dwarves who are orchestrating everything, uh, but there are a number of runic circles that have been carved into the ground. Um, unfortunately, uh, at first glance, you don't know where any of these go. These two people seem to know, um, and you see them kind of direct someone over uh, as you enter um, into one of them, and then uh, one of them goes over and like similar to uh, what uh, Dagwood did earlier, touch a few of the runes and kind of concentrate. Uh, and then that person um, fades out the same way that the demons are fading in uh, downstairs, if that makes any sense. Uh, and I think Duncan will just immediately start going into full professional bluster mode. It's like when you're in the office and you're on a break or like if you've ever worked a minimum wage job where if you stand around, someone will give you a task to do. But if you walk looking busy, then people like let you go. Oh and man, I used to do laps to the stock room oh, yeah. with a clipboard in hand and I would just stare at the racks and go like <sighs> and someone would be like oh hey Tom uh, can I help you find something I'm like no they wanted this size of pants but I don't think we have it. you know I'm gonna go check the floor and then I would just like storm back out to the floor and I just do that for a solid hour it was great it's it's worth noting that we like the uh, pass without trace is like a continuous effect for oh, a while okay. if you want that option as well how many I think, dwarfs are I think, there Tom uh, there are two, one just, uh, they just sent a third uh, to a location. Uh, but now currently in the room, there are just the two. It's it's your call either way, but I want you to know you have options. Cool. I think he'd like to stealth up to them then and start his conversation as a surprise, purposefully to startle <laughs> them from behind. So they're thrown off a little bit. Uh, uh, okay. Um, there are two dwarves. Uh, are you just going to speak to both of them or are you going to try and speak to one? Uh, are they together? Because he'd probably just try to play both. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, they're close enough. If you want to speak to both, you can absolutely speak to both. Great, yeah, because I'm picturing like Miles O'Brien at a teleporter. Like, sure, there's two pads. You are correct, yeah. dude. Yeah. Yay! Uh, there's like, what, it's, like <laughs> it's like Miles O'Brien and whoever uh, fucking day player Trek sub-character is there. So like, not a name member of the crew, just someone who's like there for the panel to explode and kill them. Uh, yeah, so so when Miles can get home to his, his wife <sighs> and kid. Perfect. All right, so I'll talk to... Um, I'll face Miles directly, but I'm sure we'll we'll keep the backup person in mind, uh, and just be like, "Friends, we've been sent ah! by Weebly Strobelmeyer. <laughs> this is Ambassador Ginko Greenleaf. We need to be sent into that breach right now to assure what's happening is meant to happen." Um, and uh, oh, your yell startled me so hard. Good, it should. He just yelled to them out of the darkness. My it's arms startling. are tingling. Good, okay. I'm glad. <laughs> You're feeling what they're feeling. <laughs> Miles O'Dwarf and his friend Barkley the Dwarf are both very concerned about what the <laughs> fuck is happening in this teleporter Yay, room. Hey, Barkley. Um, so uh, uh, they're like, ah, ah, uh, 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 sorry, bro. Uh, didn't know anyone was, was coming through here from... Uh, from uh, the Consortium of Bleen. Send us to the mine. Send us to the breach or everyone dies. Uh, uh, roll a persuasion check. I'm going to give you advantage <laughs> because you appeared out of shadows. <laughs> Beautiful. That is 24. 
Um, he just turns to Barkley and he says, uh, fucking, I don't know, man, what do we do? And Barkley's like, you're my boss. And he's like, <laughs> fuck there. And he just points, uh, points at a, at a teleport pad. Great. Go get on it. I, we're in, we're spooky, smoky, stealthy people, but we're getting on a teleport pad. Uh, Great. And um, as you do, uh, Barkley the Dwarf is like, now listen, I should warn you, I have some concerns about how these runic teleport circles work, and I've been trying to talk to Miles, and he's like, no time, lad! And he just slaps uh, to the uh, runes, and uh, suddenly your vision begins to blur, um, and it's it's uh, it's almost like getting splashed in the eyes with water, um, where it's just like, you can still kind of see vague shapes. Um, and uh, as you kind of... Um, blink out of it um you uh you find yourselves um in a, a small alcove uh that's been carved out of a cavern wall um and uh four demon knights or i guess six demon knights we've established turn say uh wait are you guys still super stealthy you are still super stealthy the effect yeah we is are still there roll me stealth it's, checks it's... immediately <laughs> <laughs> Nineteen for Maka. Rolled a nine. <laughs> Twenty-six for Duncan. Um, they turn and for a second, Maka, knowing that you're not a stealthy fellow, you just have that feeling of like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they stare wide-eyed, like directly at both of you. Um, here's the thing: you both passed your stealth checks. Duncan, I know you would stay quiet, Maka. Given that your stealth check wasn't you trying to hide, it's just you physically being there in stealth mode. Mm -hmm. Do you think Maka would blow this or would he stay quiet? Yeah, what would Maka do? WWMD. Maka like would stay quiet for sure, but he would also probably like look over at Duncan. <laughs> okay, amazing. So you guys share a full like slow um, two spies who've just been caught by the entire Soviet army. Look. Um, and then you look back um, to the soldiers uh, and one of the demon knights steps forward, uh, sword drawn. And she just looks, goes, fucking Barkley is right. These fucking things don't work right. And then she jams her sword back into the ground. She's like, anyway, is that orc counting dead yet? Um, and uh, as she turns back, uh, you hear a, a cry, a desperate cry uh, from the, uh, the main chamber in a slightly French accent of help. This episode of Curse Code and Crowd Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! 
Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lorda Bradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Christian Mendez, Anna Zed, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.